This is Lost or Found, the podcast where we think about how we can live healthier, happier, and more fulfilled lives. And now, here's the host of the show, Dr. Michelle Choi. Thank you for joining us today. It's going to be a fun topic as I speak with my dear friend, Dr. Jessica Murphy, about self-care. When I was growing up, a consistent message that I always heard was don't tell. Don't tell your friends about your family. Don't say anything. Don't mention this. Don't discuss private matters. If I was going somewhere with a friend, the message at the door would oftentimes be don't say anything. Now, as I look back as my adult self, I'm not sure what I was protecting. The fact that we were not. Then it brings me to this point. Let's say we were, then would I have been allowed to talk freely and just say it? The problem with not talking or keeping it all bottled up is that it can become a lot of excess weight. And then you get confused on what you're carrying or protecting. Why not run freely through the field called your life and not walk through it all uncomfortable and thick like the Michelin man? Somehow my process of growing and recognizing some of the shit and the process of expelling it has led to my path of just saying it. It's kind of refreshing to be honest and to talk freely. I try not to lie. And the ability to speak freely and to speak from the heart, sometimes it feels like taking little shits. Kind of like deer. You always know that deer have been in your yard because they leave evidence. Deer poop looks like little black pellets. It's not a gigantic long bowel movement, but the little pellets that were dropped can have an accumulative effect. And when deer need to defecate, they just go. I admire the simple truth by which they live. And maybe that's how we can see self-care, by being honest about how we feel and taking self-maintenance dumps as you go. Having a general healthy maintenance plan and increasing it during the moments in our lives when we need it more. Which brings me to this point. Over the last several weeks, I've really been overwhelmed by self-doubt. My life is not obviously any better right now, but I feel like I recently come out of the thick cloud of self-doubt and I am functioning a little bit more freely again. When I quit my job as a primary care doctor, it felt like a Bridget Jones moment with the song R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me, blaring in the background called my head. Then as you try to work on things and you're investing through hard work, some vision, and a lot of time, It eventually feels like the song, all by myself, don't want to be all by myself anymore. And well, having a self-care plan has been crucial to me so that I don't totally drown in the depths of my despair and uncertainty. It's helped to keep me afloat when I've been getting confused about the swimming part. But the truth is, as I've had to rationalize this to motivate myself, don't we all have to work for anything we want in life? In our fast, immediately there, social media-driven impression of life, we see people's successes. They look great. 
like Sarah Blakely, who went from selling fax machines to Spanx creator. But we never saw her during the time that she struggled. And she struggled a lot when she openly pitched her idea to make pantyhose without legs. A lot of people laughed at her. Even though I quit my job, I didn't get here without hard work either. And by the way, this is all the convincing I've had to tell myself, as my self-doubt has been pretty thick for the last several weeks. But then I remember, I wasn't sure if I was going to get into medical school. I worried a lot about failing out of medical school. I wasn't sure if I was going to survive the hell called residency. And heck, I survived my parents. And maybe right now, I'm choosing another mountain to climb. I'm just still really close to the bottom. But I believe I've taken some steps upward. And well, I feel less confused right now. And maybe if it happens too quickly, it disappears quickly too. So maybe it's not a bad thing when you put the work into growing your dream and you become your dream. I was recently talking with a friend whose son is working on his startup and is living at home. And I was curious and I asked her, how does he wake up? And she said that some days he wakes up so full of energy like he can really do it. And the other days he wakes up thinking and wondering if all of this is a waste of time. I was laughing when I heard that because that's exactly how I feel. And as I've been thinking about my self-doubt, I've been wondering if in the short term it's not entirely bad. I think a good dose of self-doubt, although it royally sucks, can be healthy for us. It reminds us that we're not always right. It causes us to challenge ourselves and look inward. And perhaps it can also help us to become stronger. But as I've been swimming in my self-doubt, I could also feel that if I wasn't careful and aware, how it can lead to depression. My I can't could become my self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm not talented or smart enough and that I will never achieve my goals. I can become overcome with fear, the fear of uncertainty and the fear of not being able to succeed, perpetuating the idea that I'm a fraud as I become more isolated and pessimistic. Anyway, my point is, I think we have to be careful when our self-doubt is chronic. But in the short term, maybe self-doubt helps for us to think it through. During my period of feeling badly, I still continued my self-care. I did my exercises consistently. I talked with friends. I picked up my kids and drove them to their activities. I drastically reduced my sugar intake and went on a cleanse. None of it necessarily helped for me to feel better immediately. Maybe there were moments during my boot camp classes when I briefly forgot the troubles in my head, but I think all of the above helped me to get out of the madness called my head eventually. Having a maintenance plan helped me to ride out what I was feeling, to feel okay again. I also noticed this. I think we all need to be careful with how we let social media affect our lives. As a grown-ass adult, I participate in social media now to spread the podcast. And there's a certain aspect where you check it too much. You look at the stupid numbers. You look for the likes and the comments. There's an element where you're asking for acknowledgement and approval. And well, it gets to your head and it can also make you feel badly. The truth is, 
The only person that needs to approve of you is you. The rest is noise. Even if it's good, it's noise. Have boundaries. Don't let noise deter you or confuse you. Don't let anyone or anything confuse your worth. And I'm so excited to introduce my friend, Dr. Jessica Murphy. Dr. Murphy is a hospital medicine doctor at Kaiser Santa Clara, where she is also an assistant program director for the Internal Medicine Residency Program. She's one of the smartest doctors I've ever met and seriously loves diagnostic challenges and teaching her residents. A real nerd she is, but she is also one of the hippest doctors I've ever met. She's seriously got some swagger. Welcome to Lost or Found, Dr. Jessica. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. And Dr. Murphy, before we begin, can you tell us about yourself? Oh, sure. Um, so you and I have known each other probably for, what, 10 years at this point? I, I think so, right? Yep. I'm a physician. We've aged well together. We have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've been a physician for 16 years. Um, I have two beautiful children a husband who's, uh, I'm so lucky he puts up with me. And I was born and raised in Northern California, left to the East Coast for college and promptly came back to California and haven't left since. So yeah, I mean, I feel very blessed with a full life and a career that I enjoy. And a lot of things I like to do besides my career, <laughs> like chat with my friends like you. Thank you. Yes. And today we're going to be talking about self-care. So do you think sometimes we see self-care as similar to like self-indulgence or being selfish? I think that sometimes it's framed as such because of um, just roles and that were assigned to us either by our own families or by experiences. So I've actually, you know, when you ask that question, I really start to think about it. It's been a journey for me to look at doing the things I love to do for myself as care rather than selfishness. So um, you know, when we were talking about coming out here, I was like, oh, I'm going to go paddleboarding. I'm going to do those things. I'm going to have all this time. And I like blocked my whole day and I had to stop and say, do I have this whole day? And I said, no, Jessica, take the whole day. <laughs> so it's, a, still a journey for me, but, um, you know, I think it's important to do the things that fill your own cup so you can do things for others. Yeah. And I think sometimes we view self-care as like a luxury when it really needs to be a priority. Absolutely. You know, because our lives right now, I mean, we're recovering or we're coming out of the pandemic. But I think there really is like an epidemic of like anxiety and depression. Like everybody's feeling it. You know, our bodies are feeling it. But it helps to us to like deal with our daily stresses or, you know, the fact that everything about life is so much faster these days, you know. Like, getting information is faster. Yeah. You remember, like, way back when, when we needed to, like, look something up? It, you would have to, like, walk to the library. Yeah. Get, find the encyclopedia. Yes. Dewey Decimal it. Yeah. You, like, smell it, <laughs> yes, you know? Yes. <laughs> and then open it and then read right. the really small font. Right. Like, as you're standing or sitting. But now everything is just so much faster. Well, the other part about that reminds me of, you know, when I go to search something on the internet, there's so many rabbit holes. Before you could focus on one thing at a time and it was easier to stay a little bit in your lane on what you were trying to find out. Right now, if I open up my phone to Google, I don't know, 
a new boogie board. Like I will go to five different things on my phone before I actually get to the answer that I want. That's true. So I think that it comes down to being aware and focused and you can't do that unless you um, learn how to rein in your energy and rein in your your goals. So it's much yeah. harder for us and our children these days. And I think with that whole like distraction, it really doesn't add to our life. You know, like when you're walking, crossing the street, watching out for cars as you're like looking at your phone or something like that. It's yeah. It's like it's a whole lot of shit, it's you know. It's a lot of shit around. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of us like feel this like when you're overwhelmed or when you're really tired or exhausted or angry and how many of us really don't do anything about that but you know distract ourselves yeah or we go on into our next day yeah with those same feelings like we don't think of maybe helping those feelings or extracting those feelings yeah I mean I think it's a really good thing to feel the feelings that come up instead of numbing them or moving on or just going to bed or whether it's like talking about it, writing it down, just acknowledging it. Sometimes you have to have a good cry. Sometimes you have to have a good laugh, like whatever it is. But with the pace, with the multiple opportunities for distraction, it's so much easier to stuff it. And I think it does hurt our bodies and our minds, our souls. So, um, you know, the self-care part comes when you take stock and you say, whoa, I've been carrying around a lot of crap. And it could be big crap. It could be little crap, you know, so... Yeah, but in the end, still crap. It's still you know? crap, yeah. and it adds up into a load of shit. <laughs> totally. Can I swear? Yes, you can swear. Okay, great. Fan. I cuss test. all the time, <laughs> but that's more ESL for me. You're the only person who says cuss that I know, by the way. <laughs> um, but I love what you said. I think when we feel it, we have to feel it. You know, I think feeling it is a warning. And I think, you know, with our busy lives, a lot of the times we ignore it. But I think when you feel it, some shit's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to, if you don't feel it, it doesn't start the process of owning it and exploring it. And sometimes really great things come out of experiencing it. Even if it's anger, fear, so-called negative, it helps us grow in a way. I mean, yeah. you and I have talked about things that have happened in our lives that have been painful, but such beautiful things have come from it too. So um, I don't know. I think that, you know, loss, fear, um, distractions, all those things are very common experiences. It's just how we process it, you know, depends on the individual. Yeah. I think sometimes we get caught up in the process of like looking okay. Right. Like looking okay on the outside, you yeah. know? Yeah. I love sometimes yeah. not having a poker face. Like yeah. I really have a hard time, you know, um, not expressing myself, especially if something surprises me. I've gotten better at like holding it together when I need to for others. And I think that's important, especially as physicians. You can't go around like crying because there's a lot of things that are really sad in the in the hospital. But you do need to know that, yeah, that feels sad. And you, you're aware that you're going through something sad. Um, but I think, yes, in society in general, people have masked a lot of things. You know, they want to portray perfection in social media or mm -hmm. how you describe your life and you know or being happy being happy being happy all the time is it's it's a falsehood it's, it doesn't exist it's so false like if somebody yeah. asks me how I'm doing 
they're going to know how I'm doing if I trust them, right? And that's like actually and the I'm number glad that one I have people question. I can do that, that too. Yeah. yeah. It's not the number one question people lie on when someone asks you, how are you feeling? Yeah. I mean, majority of the times we're lying it's when we answer that. It's fine and it's not fine. Yeah. And we may be lying when we ask that question too, you know? But I love that because, I mean, all of us wear masks, but some of us never take it off. Yeah. Like sometimes it's appropriate to wear a mask because you really don't want to fall apart at work. Yeah. Like, for me, the biggest thing when I worked in the hospital was that as a woman doctor, I never wanted a man doctor to see me crying. Mm. Interesting. You know? Because I feel like we have to sometimes act stronger as women in yeah. the setting of, you know, others. Yeah. And that's the one population I felt like would not understand if I broke down or if they would, what they would think of me. Yeah. I, you know, I never thought about that in terms of gender at work per se. I mean, I think that there's a lot of strong women. I wouldn't want to lose it around either. I think that I've been kind of conditioned to not cry in general. So losing it at work for me didn't really matter who I was around. I just wasn't going to do it. And I guess, you know, like self-care can be defined as like anything related to staying physically healthy, including like hygiene, nutrition, seeking medical care when needed to promote good health. And I think it's a way in which really to like manage stressors in life for health and well-being because there's always stressors in life, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good point when... You and I went to a wellness conference and they were talking about all the different pillars of wellness and physical, spiritual, um, your sleep patterns, your nutrition, all those parts. And you're never going to be like 100% excellent at addressing all those things at once. But it's I look about it as a little bit of whack-a-mole. Like sometimes my physical health is fantastic, but my emotional health is crap, you know, or if I'm emotionally happy, then... I maybe might eat better too, or and maybe mm-hmm. I'm just not as physical. So I think it's great to kind of take stock and do a quick inventory and see what are the things that I need to address a little bit more. Some things come naturally to others um, than, you know, other people. So I agree. I think it's like kind of hard to like touch base on everything, you know? Yeah. But I think there should be like a dailiness to it. Like, what are you going to work on? Is it going to be more emotional, more nutritional, more, you know, physical? But something needs to happen, I think, you know. And then there's, I think, long-term self-care goals as well. Yeah. However that's defined, you know. Yeah, and it all kind of builds on each other. Um, So my son last year and my daughter this year, they're getting ready for, like, their first communion, right? And they're teaching them something that I was really happy, the daily examine, Like, how do you look back on your day and say, this is what I did that was good for Mm -hmm. myself, for somebody else, for, and I was like, why didn't they teach me that when I was seven or eight years old, you know? Like, this is amazing. And I was very happy about that because it's like, you know, a sacrament isn't just about like going and doing the thing. It's like symbolic of you feeding your soul. Yeah, right? kindness every, unto yourself. Kindness unto yourself, that's yeah. That's self-care. And that's how you can be kind to others. Like, you know, as a physician, we're in service to others, but you have to examine yourself too. So yeah. I um, was glad that they're learning that. Because I really think kindness is not just a one-way thing. Mm-mm. You know, it's really meant yeah. to be like kind of like a boomerang, you know? Yeah. And I think when there are moments like that to recognize it, why not feed ourselves with good things that we've done? You know, yeah. we don't have to be like, yo, I did this, I did that. 
but even to yourself to make you feel better. You yeah, know? absolutely. And don't you think like, you know, people who give a lot, like self-sacrificers, they're the ones who really need to practice self-care. Absolutely. And a lot of times they don't, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a fine line between being in service and then you're sacrificing so much that it's hurtful. And sometimes the self-sacrifice is that distraction we talked about, right? If you're busy doing, 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 then you don't have to stop and look at what you're going through, at your own pain or whatever. And I think that that's really important to remember. Yeah. Because how much more can we really like help people or help the people around us Yeah, if we take care of ourselves? Like if you live life like a piece of halal meat, like you're dead, your blood's dripped out of you, you're hanging, you know, you're yes. a carcass. Ready to be eaten. Yeah, like what's the point of living like a carcass? Is it weird that made me hungry? Me? <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a really good piece of meat, it's I've a really heard. Really right? good piece of meat, but yeah. Every- what's the point of living like a carcass? No. Yeah, you know? I mean it has <laughs> poor poor meat. I mean, I think that um You can't just be laying there, right? You have to be active. Like the boomerang analogy is perfect. You have to be kind of give and take, give and take. Um, Because that carcass isn't very happy with himself. I don't know. I mean, it's just you have to really say what is your purpose. And if your purpose is service, which I believe mine is, right? Compassion, service, and really trying to inspire others. I believe that's my calling. But I also believe that there's joy in that. And I can't feel that joy if I'm constantly just going, going, going and not like checking in with myself and making sure that I'm able to do a good job at that. So, yeah, it's like, you know, the meditation where um, you f- you feel the light coming into you. Mm. Like yeah. you're being yeah. you're being filled again. Yes. Right. You know, like you if you're if, you, if you're able to take out 15 minutes of your day. And you feel the light entering into your head, then mm-hmm. going into your throat, then going into your heart, then going into your lungs, yeah. your abdomen, your hips, your sacrum. Up in and yeah, out. It's just like you're filling yourself again. And yeah. I think we need to take moments to either take a break or fill ourselves up again. Because one of the things that like I get most concerned about, like especially like people in our field, I think a lot of doctors and nurses don't really take care of themselves. And they wait for the vacation, which could be three or four months down the road to take care of themselves yeah, when yeah. I feel like that's like functioning from deficit. You know, like yeah. one a one week vacation is not going to cure your problems. However, how much more can you do if you go around yeah. a little bit more repleted every single day? I mean, I think that that's very true. There's things you can do, little things you can do throughout your day, throughout your week and make them routine that kind of slowly refill. And one of those things, you know, okay, so um, you reminded me of something an attending when I was a medical student taught me two things, actually. He'd always do walking, smiling meditations. So we'd do our rounds, we'd be walking, and he'd have this silly smile on his face, and he'd tell us jokes to make us smile. And he Mm -hmm. was like, this is just how I keep myself focused and centered. I thought he was kind of off at the time, but I'm like, no, you're hilarious. Um, And I learned that. And it's not like you smile just to smile. It's like you think of things that bring you joy and you express it on yourself. And so that's a way to kind of reset and rebalance. And the other thing 
I noticed he would always take a really long time washing his hands. And I thought it was just maybe like OCD. But then he told me at the end of the week, it was a way for him to transition between patients, like washing away whatever they had sadness and illness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you hear a lot of things. So you have to transition, wash away those things before you move on to the next person. So whenever in between patients, if I gel or wash, I always try to just like pretend like I'm washing away that situation. I've closed the loop. I've written, you know, whatever orders I've moved on. And that when I wash, I try to think about that. So that's a small thing people might do. And I try to share that Mm -hmm. with people because everyone will have a different way of like transitioning, but you have to have a transition. You have to let things go at the end of an interaction. I love that because especially like in the field where you work with people, you know, sometimes whether we want or not, we absorb someone's energy. Yeah, absolutely. Or even sometimes like... (laughs) Like remnants of their illness, like the the energy, you yeah, know, yeah. or their vulnerability, but to give it the proper respect yes. for them and for ourselves and to wash it away. Yeah, it's good to be present and be there for them and, and hear it, but it's not necessary for us to carry it through our lives, yeah. you know, and on to the next patient because they need you too. And yeah. your team needs you and, and all that. So like have, a gigantic wet sponge. Like if you don't really bring it out, r- you know, if you don't wring it out, like how much more can you really take in? Exactly. But there's always that other process of wringing it out. Yeah. Being light again. Yeah. You know, that's like um, for me, like sweating is one another one of those things. Like I got to sweat it out. And Mike's like, sweat what out? I'm like, you don't want to know. <laughs> This is this awesome. little joke we have. So, I mean, it's like. That makes me feel better because whenever I do work out, I do look like I'm having a cardiac moment. <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's like somebody you, call. I do look like chest pain could be on the realm there, you know? As I I'm mean, sweating profusely. I'm always like, my legs are shaking. <laughs> I won't be able to walk after this. I don't know. But it's good. But I love what he said, too, regarding the smiling. Mm-hmm. You know? Because what yeah. is it, sometimes in the hospital setting, one of the last things that you see in the hospital smile. are smiles. Especially yeah. now with the masks. Speaking exactly. of masks. But yeah, so, um, you know, it's good to make a point of making eye contact people with people and walking with your head up. And, you know, there are people in our uh, medical center, if I see down the hall, I know they're going to say hi to me. And I'm always like, I'm one of those people I like to say hi to mm-hmm. everybody, right? And... Um, it's an opportunity to like meet another person. You're walking down the hall. So I uh, try to take those moments to connect and smile with my eyes. Yeah, isn't that what we've learned to do? Those who, of us who do yeah. smile, right? Thank God I have full eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. Definitely. <laughs> Although I still want to get rid of my mustache, but still, you know. You don't need them. to. It's under the mask. But I feel like I mustache. need to. It helps with my self-care. Like <laughs> yes. not having to braid the hair on my upper lip, sure. you know. Yeah, that takes too much time. Yeah, exactly. But I totally agree because even that smile, like, it connects you to others. But yeah. even if you don't feel it, like, you start believing it. It's right. kind of like. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. And it helps. It does. It really does. It's like that Care Bear moment where you like unleash your shirt and you're like, (laughs) you're, you're spraying out your light into the world, you know? Yeah. No, no, that's cute. I like that. Care Bear moments. I mean, there's always a source of light. I think there always is. It's just sometimes it just gets a little bit buried with things. And like you said, that meditation is really good. I like the one with the grounding. Like you think of the 
light or the energy from the earth filling you up and mm-hmm. up out of your head. Because to me, you know, I tend to get like distracted with things. So I need the grounding. I need the feet on the ground, energy of the earth, reconnecting with myself. And I tend to feel a little bit more focused and I can access my energy better. Yeah. Or alternatively, if the light's going through you, your whole body, right? Yeah. And you let it sit in like each organism, I mean, organ area, right? Mm-hmm. And then the light exits you. And then there's that meditation when the light exits you, you're spreading your roots, you oh, know, yeah. deep into the earth as yeah. well as like widely. Up and out. But you know, yeah. like, I was like thinking about this before you came because how do we limit ourselves? Because sometimes like, you know, we're like, oh, okay, so the, where the roots are emanating from our feet into the ground, like you visualize that. But some people only visualize one root. But maybe what's what but maybe what if what's capable is actually many roots. Like it's unlimited. Like you yeah. could go you could span this whole area, you could go as deep as you want. Yeah. It's not one root. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. I never even thought of that of somebody only thinking of one root. Because like our our minds or egos or something. It's like yeah. we're our limiting factors. But That's what true. if you have no limit? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we do limit ourselves in a lot of ways with how we see, how we touch people, how we um, interact in the world. And it's a good reminder, like, every little interaction really means something. Yeah, or it can mean something for them, right? But for us as well. Right. And I think self-care really is really just nourishing our joy. Because I really feel like if we take care of ourselves... It's like we can better handle or react to the stress that will occur. Definitely. Don't you think? I absolutely agree with that. I mean, there is a tangible difference in my um, demeanor, my soul, everything when I'm by the ocean, when I'm in the ocean. Like, that was my first reaction. You're like, come to Santa Cruz. I'm like, okay, I have to go go to the ocean, you know? (laughs) And everybody has their own thing. And the fact that... I feel it. I know my family feels it. You know, we um, finally decided we were going to go to Hawaii for July. Mm -hmm. And my whole mood just changed just thinking about being so close to it every day. In the ocean. In the ocean. With my family. In the sun, you know. Or even just going to, you know, Aptos for a few days. Like, I came back a different person. So, that for me, that is a huge source of regeneration rest um it's like this deep rest and then I wake with like a vengeance like so much extra energy and it's like terrifying to my family (laughs) but it's so it's really important I could not see myself living in a place that wasn't near the ocean especially this pacific ocean I know you're so aware of your feelings you know and you acknowledge them yeah so what's involved in your self-care? Because I know you're looking forward to this vacation, which is so beautiful. But I know you take care of yourself daily. Yeah. What's involved in your self-care? So it changes from day to day. So, you know, I had, like I said, the plan to go immerse myself in the Pacific this morning. And it adjusted based on life. But I still did self-care this morning by doing like a, a half-hour ride on my Peloton that I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with. And I knew I had to do that to be centered and so today it was that um a lot of times it's time with my dog bernie like we go on walks or um it's listening to a book and you're Uh, walking with him every single day right mike's walking every day (laughs) i will take him to the park 
<laughs> I'm the fun parent. <laughs> but I do take them for a walk, you know, or we'll play in the backyard together. Or it's literally just being around him. Um, I feel like he's my little guardian. So he's like my pet And not being dog. distracted, right? Yeah, just being there. Just sitting there. Um, being outside in the sun with my puppy. Nothing better. And then, you know, I really do take joy in like cooking for my family, being with them, being able to now that sports are back. I was so happy for Mother's Day to go watch him play flag football. And I was like, this is the best Mother's Day ever. You know, so good. So it, it's all those things, watching Charlotte dance, like all those things for me are very fulfilling. Um, but it's mostly physical activity and being outside in the sun. That's really my thing. I, if I don't do something physical, it doesn't have to be sweaty. It could be like yoga or mm -hmm. um, meditation, just something for myself. And I think remembering like <clears throat> when you're outside on the field with your child to be in the moment, to like not be distracted by your phone. Right. Where are we going next or what's happening and who's trying to pig me? And Yeah. Yeah. Although my one issue is that I do talk to a lot of parents a lot. Uh-huh. So I'm like yapping too much, but I'm still there for him. But it's like social <laughs> connection, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, there are some people that I easily yap with and it doesn't feel like a distraction, you know? Um, but there's definitely times where I avoid the crowds because it's like nicer just to be. So definitely. You know, one thing I noticed, like, um, you know, working in the hospital in COVID, and I didn't really do this when I was working with you in the hospital, you know, like. When you come home from the hospital, like, I always take a shower. Yeah. Like, how often did you do that? Pre-COVID? Yeah, pre-COVID. After evening shifts, I always did. Okay. After day shifts, I didn't always mm -hmm. pre-COVID. But after evening shifts, I would always come home and take a shower. Or night shifts, too. Like, if you, you know, leave in the morning. Yeah. I think um, it's, to me, that's a wind down. Definitely. The same idea as washing your hands. I mean, COVID, it was crazy. I would strip in the garage and run upstairs. Me too. It's like, mom's streaking through the house again. And it's like, it was just necessary. Yeah. So um, that was a different ball game. But the end of the evening shift, or if it was a particularly mm -hmm. hard day, maybe I would. But it would be after I worked out or something, you know? But now it's like always, you know? And yeah. I, I've, I had forgotten how particularly nourishing taking a shower is. Yeah, yeah. Like, really imagining it washing away. Like, for us, it was the germs, but still. Yeah. Like, and it's, um, you know, there's times where I'm, like, scrubbing, too. And I find myself, like, just scrubbing it away. It's yeah. interesting. But, yeah, I mean, it's a good it's a good routine. And there's others, right? Like, for me, um, I like to walk and talk with a girlfriend. Because mm -hmm. I don't like to stay still sometimes. You're you know? a talker. Yeah. And I realized, for me, <laughs> uh, saying no is actually self-care for me. That's awesome. Like, I get a high on saying no, even though I feel like I'm being rude sometimes. Do you feel like that has become easier as we get older, though? I think the more you say it, it becomes more easier. Okay. You know, and someone was saying there's, like, nicer ways to say no, like saying, no, thank you. But sometimes I forget to say the thank you part, but yeah. I hope people know it's not coming from an ill place. Yeah. But I think sometimes we really just have to say no and don't put ourselves in situations that... We don't. ultimately don't want or we're too tired for. Right, right. I mean, I think that a lot of times I'll start with the thank you for thinking of me for this mm -hmm. or that sounds like 
fun, but at this time I have something else or I, I can't. And because I worry about if the other person's going to think is the no is a block. You know, it's not that the no is a block. It's just that not right now. Yeah. You know, and I've learned that friends that really want to have an authentic relationship with you will hear it and mm-hmm. know that and still be there for you, you yeah. know, and it always works out. And if most of the times like you're saying yes, an occasional no is like not a big deal, you know? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's an issue, I guess, if you say no all oh. the time to one person. <laughs> yes, exactly. To the same person, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, such that you may need to question the relationship, but still, you know. <laughs> I think no is a great word. And don't you think, like, for physical self-care, like, you mentioned exercise, sweating it out. Yeah. Sweating, um, stretching yourself, literally and figuratively, and yeah. um, really... I've been very surprised at what I can do still, you know, and sometimes I like work out and I'm like, whoa, or I run and I'm like, whoa, I can still do that. Sometimes I'm like, what are you carrying around? You know, yeah. like so. And for me, it's not like I'm doing it to get fit. I'm doing it because I feel better. Like totally. I really, you know, if I don't work out for a week, I am not right. Or even getting a couple minutes just not thinking about life so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you, you're you just so focused on that, like, surviving that moment. Yeah. Your mind is, like, You get to focus there, on like yourself on and see yeah. where you're at. Yeah, no, it's a great exercise is one of those things. I do miss, um, like, team-type sports, too, mm-hmm. because it's, a, it's not just about you. So you get to get outside yourself a little bit, but you still get that. Wow. What team sports would you play? I was playing um, indoor soccer before the pandemic again. I started doing that with the team and that was really great. And they just started playing again, but I wasn't quite ready to go Mm. back. But, you know, before I started having, when I was pregnant with Liam, I was on on an outdoor team, which was great. Yeah. And so, yeah, being a part of a team and sweating it out and Mm. everyone's doing self-care. Right. Everyone's doing it together as a team, but it's like outside the realm of like your job and your family and it's just for you. So and why should kids only have that fun? Like, I think, you know, remembering the joy. Well, I think that's why I enjoy my seeing my children dance and do sports, because I I like to see them enjoy it that way. But you're absolutely right. But it really is that fun. You know, like how many of us would perhaps like drink less or. Yeah. Do less drugs if you remembered the inherent joys that were when you were a child. Right. Absolutely. You just need that that rush. Yeah. Like what you felt then was true. And why not invite that back into your life? Yeah. Very fun. You know, or sleep. You know, someone was saying um, after work, like after her like shifts in the hospital, every single day she would go for a walk Mm -hmm. and she had a dog. But like. That's a great thing because how many of us like go home after a tough day and kind of explode on our family? Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, like that's, that's the not thing. legit. Carrying right? it around, it, it's gonna yeah. come out one way or another. Might as well do it in a productive way. Exactly. Yeah, a productive way, not like your family who doesn't deserve it. Right. Right. And they don't even see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the self awareness part of. Uh, really taking stock and seeing what's there because if you keep just stuffing it that's what happens or how many times like when I would drive home from work sometimes when I would be driving home I would be so mad and the anger would just rise in the car and 
you would just erupt when you walk into the door. Yeah. For the littlest things. Yeah. Totally. Or if you took a moment for yourself, what would happen? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, that transition is important, right? Like, sometimes the drive can be the transition, but sometimes it takes longer than just a 40-minute drive, depending on what happened. So... It's hard because life day to day can happen so fast. You don't even realize what you're going through until the shit hits the fan. Has the drive ever been a positive transition for you? A drive? Yeah. Yeah. Like from work. From work, for sure. Really? I think for me, it was always, it fed the negative. Yeah. Well, you had a long drive, too. (laughs) I mean, I have maybe a 15-minute drive, right? Mm -hmm. Especially without um, traffic these days. But so I turn off the radio and it's like silent you know and then I just drive home in silence and sometimes like if my thoughts start becoming very like racy then I can turn on music or listen to a book or something but that's a good transition for me is Mm -hmm. being in the car being in the car by yourself is such a luxury I love that like driving over here today lovely (laughs) even though there was traffic and I was like oh my gosh I'm running late Lovely. That's so funny. I think Highway 17 always stressed me, you know, at rush hour. Yeah. Like all the curves. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of positive memories on that road. So Mm -hmm. I never really felt rushed because I wasn't driving to and from a job. For me, driving over 17 is like, I'm going to the beach. (laughs) You know, we're about to go make some memories. Yeah, exactly. Dewey skin. And I love, (laughs) and I love driving. Yeah. So and you're a really good driver. Oh, thanks. Like I, I definitely always hold on to the side, the side when you're driving. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> so please. I drive like a grandmother compared no, to I, you. Yeah, I drive like a like a person on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> and don't you think even sleeping enough? Oh, sleeping. That yeah. is like actually one of my favorite. How many of us really sleep enough? I don't think so. So can know? I tell you something? Over mm-hmm. the weekend, both days I slept in. Saturday I woke up at nine thirty. And yesterday, I woke up at like 7 and then went back to bed and woke up at 11 a.m. It was wonderful. Like, so wonderful. Like, if you could see the joy in my face on this podcast, like, it's really been great. So this and this morning, I woke up feeling like refreshed and stuff. I slept really well. So So did Mike take care of the kids on Sunday then? Mm -hmm. Sunday morning? Yeah, he took Liam to ice hockey. And then um, Charlotte went with an auntie and hung out with an auntie. Oh, my gosh. You bring up such a funny point because the one thing I wanted for Mother's Day was to wake up late. Yeah. (laughs) Did it happen? The only thing I was uncomfortable with, the only thing I was uncomfortable (laughs) with was, like, John was, like, right next to me. And where were the kids? I'm like, one of us has to go. Needs to get up. (laughs) And that's not going to be me today. Yeah. And I was, like, trying to tell him to get out of bed. Yeah, and care for the littles. Well, they're old enough now. All they need is cereal and some cartoons. I know, but my little one doesn't do it on their own. Rose, like that's the only discomfort I had. I'm like, two of us (laughs) should not be sleeping in late. I know you need to get your ass up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poke, poke the bear. Yeah, Mike's pretty awesome like that because he knows if I don't sleep, I am El Diablo. Like it is so bad. (laughs) I really am. What's your minimum that you need every night? To, like, maintain? Um, seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they say, like, sleeping greater than seven hours is correlated with, like, better health. Yeah. Seven is my minimum. Yeah. I mean, I could do a couple nights with six in a row. Mm-hmm. But then after that, I better catch up 
you know? Yeah. I have been known to nap. Like, I have no problems with, like, I knock on wood. I heard when we get older, <laughs> that becomes a problem. But I think, you know, a nice cup of tea and I'm out, like, 10 o'clock at night very easily. And don't you think, like, you know, eating healthier. Yeah. Less sugar is actually self-care, too. And I'm yes. having a really hard time with this one. It's hard. I mean, because there's so many tasty things. But at the same time, I know if I overdo it, I don't I won't like be able to fall asleep as easily. And I won't exercise as well. And that's when the exercise becomes like, what did you do? You know, your body feels it when you eat those things. But yeah. I don't deny myself either. Like if I want to taste something, I want to eat something, I will. But I also listen to when I'm done. And that's something I'm really trying to teach my kids because they're they'll they're great eaters. But some of them or some of them <laughs> they don't they don't know sometimes when to stop and when to start. Like Liam for him it's like juice and fruit. And I'm like, you're gonna get some massive diarrhea, my friend. Like you better slow down on those oranges. <laughs> and then Charlotte, it's like I, I want some that. pasta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she'll just keep going, you know, and I'm just like, it's so good, isn't it? Why don't you pause and like, you know, so that kind of thing yeah. was starting to teach them to listen to their bodies and realize that indulging in hella cakes and stuff is like going to mm. have a consequence. Well, April is birthday month, you know, for right. both Rosie and William. And I think one of my addictions in life is actually sugar. Mm -hmm. Like it really kind of is an addiction for me. Like and tasting that cake once it's turned on, and a lot of times I'm not fully conscious, I just can't stop. So good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I feel it in my body. I feel really bloated. I've gained some weight over the past month. Like, I'm much heavier when I run, and I feel it. Mm -hmm. And it's not really added to my feeling as well. Like, I feel gross. I yeah. feel kind of down right now, yeah. and then I feel gross, you know? Yeah. So it's something I definitely have to be aware of, like, a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think, like... You know, being aware of that and knowing your limit, knowing, okay, I can or cannot handle having just one piece of cake. So maybe I just don't have any, you know, I think I'm trying to think of what that is for me. Like what the thing is that I'll just keep eating probably like nachos, <laughs> like Mexican food. The best cheese is the fake one. I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I like the like gooey. Anyways, I could go on. I mean, I should not eat a whole burrito. It's the size of my head. But I will. But I could too, yeah. But I will. And I would enjoy it. And then the next day I'm going to be like, oh, you know, why mm -hmm. did I do that? But at the moment it felt good. But, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, in the U.S., we, so many of us eat to the point of really full. Well, that's like where we don't need to, you when know? you started out saying like self-indulgence. That's yeah. indulgence to me. Like, you know, that's just doing something for that moment that feels like tasty or good and it's just destructive that's yeah. what I think of when I think of indulging like excessively totally and I mean even like thoughts like this it doesn't make it okay like for me I'm an immigrant so for us you know we thought spam and cheese whiz was okay oh god well, cheese so whiz I'm, has its place I tell yeah, you yeah but like the cheese thing <laughs> and like cheese whiz but it's like <laughs> yeah it does really do make you feel gross even though at that moment it's kind of fun yeah there's moment. always a consequence in moderation. <laughs> yes, in moderation, it's okay. And don't you think, like, spiritually, like, there's places where we can feel replenished, you yes. know? And for me, sometimes it's actually sitting in a church. Yeah. You know, not necessarily 
it doesn't really have to be what the priest says, but even feeling being in a room with other parishioners who believe. Mm-hmm. And that are in that same mindset of finding peace at that moment. Yeah. yeah or even the need, right? Yeah. I mean, I, for my husband, that's very true. Like yeah. he's off when he doesn't go to mass on Sunday. And I feel very at peace. But I learned to find um, peace and God or people call it all sorts of things, life, um, a lot of places. Like I see you or friends or mm-hmm. family or feel love or my the ocean, my ocean. Um, I feel church-like sometimes yeah. You there. feel it everywhere. I can, but I don't always. Mm-hmm. It's just am I looking for it? Am I tuning in to the – this is going to sound super cheesy and very unlike me, but the beauty that's around us all the time. And I think there really is. Really is. You know, I think when we feel badly, it's not necessarily like what surrounds us. It's kind of our approach to it sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's like coming from a place of um, limitation instead of like abundance in a way. Yeah. And, And are we driving with our blinders on or not? Yeah. So... Yeah. It's like kind of like how far do you think the roots can go down? Like you can really limit yourself, you know, or you can really know that beauty really is around us all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a lesson that you learn through time. I mean, I've been very lucky to be raised and be around people who were able to point that out to me and to look for it. Um, and there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Right. And it's just finding what works for you and in your own journey your own spiritual journey but yeah I think that like spirituality is very important and not so limited Mm -hmm. and it's accessible and you can define it how you want exactly exactly nothing to do with religion yeah you know we talk about church and mass and all that but and for me that's comforting and fulfilling and it has its place for me and for others it's other things and that's great and I love actually really hearing about how other people find that um, life, joy, and love in their life. Yeah, I think the limitation is when you think that spirituality has to come from a book. Mm-mm, yeah, you know? right. What if there are no limitations? I really believe there are not. I just think that the physical world is such that, you know, things manifest in a physical way and through language, mm-hmm. and those things can limit how we express it, but how we feel and how we experience things are, is not limiting. Yeah. Like you said before, like being outdoors, being outdoors is a way to really recognize like the magnificence. Right. Well, and I think that's kind of why, and maybe you've experienced this too, is why I was so attracted to the sciences. Mm -hmm. It's because it helps you explore everything that is and the patterns. And it's just unreal, the things that happen in science. And yes, it happens is in a chain of events, but it's beautiful that that happens. And so being able to understand human physiology and then how that human experiences the physiology and stuff to me is kind of a testament to how amazing like life can manifest. So that's why I I loved the sciences in the first place. I don't think I ever really loved the sciences. I think I was more, (laughs) (laughs) I think I was more attracted to like the healing component. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of what we could do for one another. I mean, I thought that um, the healing And I really part... respect you because I think you're such an amazing nerd, you know? But... Yeah. <laughs> 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 but 
but I think that the healing part kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. We are able to heal. What we could because, do with our knowledge. Yes. Something I mean, beyond words sometimes. Part of the science, mm-hmm. the healing science, is understanding how powerful our own self-healing can be for yeah. each other, for ourselves. So, <laughs> And even the arts, right? The arts could be oh, self-care too. Yeah. Do you journal? No. I should. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I shouldn't say no, no, but I mean, I have, but I am not currently journaling regularly. Um, when I start journaling, it's when the shit really hits the fan. Like if I'm super overwhelmed, I start writing things down. You ever get so yeah. emotional that you're just like, I don't even know what I'm feeling right now. You just know it's a lot. And so <laughs> that's when I start journaling. Do you write in nice words or do you write in words of the moment? Words of the moment. Because mm-hmm. I just need to get it out. Yeah. Whatever they are. Yeah. Right? Whatever I'm experiencing, whatever happened. Mm-hmm. And then you take a breath and you look back and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. I think in terms of like those, I feel like physical exercise is like good for me at that moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just I, to like breathe it out and like jump on the ground and like yeah. say fuck you to the air yeah. kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, the physical part is good too, but. I mean, I've had to work on being able to name my feelings as an adult. I wasn't always very good about articulating what I was feeling when I was younger. And so journaling helped me learn to do that, Yeah, you know, several years ago. And so I've gotten better at being able to say, I feel pissed. I feel happy. I feel, which sounds so rudimentary, but it was true. Yeah. I remember that when we were working together, you kept a journal. Remember that chart that my therapist gave me? And it was like, these are the emotions that you can have. And I'm like, what? And she's like, next time you feel something, just point at what you're feeling. And I'm like, what is this, kindergarten? She's like, well, that's your emotional state right now. So (laughs) have at it. And I was, it was one, actually one of the best tools I've had. And um, yeah, but I don't need the chart anymore. <laughs> what emotions were you most shocked by? Anger. Wow. Yeah, I was shocked at how much anger I had been holding on to for things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, oh, that's what I'm feeling. So did you feel like you were always pointing to anger a lot? Um, when I wasn't able to name it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could identify happiness and joy pretty easily. Yeah. Um, cause I've had a lot of happiness and joy in my life and I know what that is, but like, I wasn't always, um, feeling free to express anger and sadness in the beginning part of my life. So I think that when I started feeling it again later, I was like, what do I do? You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, learning to kind of identify it and name it was really important to me. Yeah. I wonder if that's more of a woman thing, you know? Are men uncomfortable with their anger as much as, like, we are? Because I was thinking, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think, think it I'm depends on the man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think some people, men or women, are very good at suppressing when they need to. So, yeah. But they're also the ones who do more socially inappropriate things with their anger. Maybe, yeah. While we hold it in a little bit more. Or yeah, much in more. general. Mm-hmm. It's probably a little bit more normalized for men to express rage yeah, than women. When women express rage, it's terrifying. Yeah. Or we're supposed to look like the doll that we're not. Right. Oh, <laughs> you know? gosh. Yeah. I let go of that a long time ago. <laughs> I like my manly mm, Yeah. <laughs> we touched upon some, like, short-term self-care, like, approaches. And, and I think there's also long-term ones, too. Another aspect of... Self-care for me is actually not talking to my mother. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I think that it's really important to recognize like when a relationship is toxic, right? And I think that, you know, I've had to really think about who I allow in my space. And I didn't always realize that I had power over that. And I thought that you just had to accept whatever it was. And I think that, you know, setting up boundaries around things that I'm comfortable with has been very difficult, but also has allowed me to grow. Um, so I think that it's hard, though. It's still it's always hard. But realizing the why of of what you're here for and nurturing relationships that are positive for you and nurturing relationships that set a good example of for your children, I think it was very important. So for me, my family and my own personal health is more important than any obligations I might feel. Yeah, and maybe that's like part of the process when there is a toxic relationship. You know, right. you don't have to continue it. Right. You can end it. Right. And ending it may be the right thing and part of the process. It's really hard to do it, but I think it, yeah. you're right. It's part of deciding for yourself. Like when it becomes toxic, I think that at that point, I mean, we always have rights, but at that point, you can really make a decision. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also important to remember that no decision is final. Like, you can always have hope that there's light on the end of that, the other end of that. Like it may not look how we expect it to look, right? And um, but at that point in your life, if that decision what's best for you, is what's best for you, then honor that and and try not to beat yourself up too much about it. But then you know, if the situation stays the same, then the situation stays the same. You can always reassess. But sometimes it's, you know, much harder to do that. So just I think it's important to have self-compassion and not feel like you have to subject yourself to toxic. Yes. And behaviors. if you're making a decision because of self-compassion, like why is that bad? You right, know, right. It's I, not. I think with self with self-care, it's really main. You know, what are what do you need to do to maintain your self-health? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was also protecting myself. And I felt like, whether that's true or imagined, that I need to protect my family. And so, um, and that may not be the case anymore, but right now I, I feel very surrounded by love in my life and very blessed. I have a beautiful family and I think that I have a very loving husband who would like fall on train tracks for me <laughs> so and he really would <laughs> he really would it's, he's so sweet he really would do anything for me and I would do anything for him and so that's where it all starts and so yeah. and because you guys have a healthy relationship you would never ask him to do that oh, like God. go over oh, God, train no. tracks you know but there are certain yeah. relationships geez that that's an expectation yeah it's just it's just really something I mean yeah, I just I just never really want to be in a situation where I feel like I have to protect my kids from toxicity, yeah. you know? And nobody's perfect, right? Like you have every friend you have is a human being and everybody has their faults. But how do you move through that together in a respectful way 
in a loving way and not a place of demands and ultimatums and and things like that. I think that that's just not the example I want for my kids and that's not the um, vibe I want for my myself. Yeah. So. And I think like, you know, all of us hopefully like hope to go somewhere in life. Like mm-hmm. we see, we hopefully all of us have a vision for our lives and what good things are going to help you to get there and right. what's holding you back. Right. Right. You know? I mean, I think it goes for yourself and for like your career and your family. It's like, what is your purpose? You know, it goes back to that. What is your purpose? And I think I have a couple purposes. I'm hopefully trying to be a good example for my daughter and my son, be hardworking, show them love, have fun. I really think I'm with Mike to show him how to have fun. <laughs> Poor guy. He's getting talked about. He's not even here. You are one of the most fun people I really I know. think I'm very fun. <laughs> so what's going to, you know, so that's part of it. But I also do have fun at work. I mean, I do mm. love being at work sometimes. And I love meeting new patients. I love seeing the nurses I work with, with our colleagues. I mean, you've been in our office. We've had some good laughs. And so I find that joy there. I do. But I also um, want to make sure that it's all kind of feeding a a bigger purpose and it's beyond what Jessica wants, right? And I think that's really important. I loved how you said it because I think really self-care helps us to find our purpose in life. If you take care of your vessel in life, you'll you'll have an idea where you want to go and where you need to go, you know? Having a strong life purpose is associated with decreased mortality rates. So that means I'm going to live forever. Watch out. You're living with meaning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can see that. And less stress because you know you're on the right path or you feel you're on the right path. Sometimes I don't always know. Sometimes I feel and I trust it. And so that goes back to kind of checking in and seeing if everything kind of settles down. And maybe stress is normal. But if that stress is something yeah. that you need to get through to get on your path, yes. you know, it's just like... Some stress is really, really... It's self-induced. Yeah. And how are you going to manage it? And how are you going to get there? That's exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah. I feel like I'm suffering from self-induced stress. <laughs> Well, on my new path, <laughs> you're feel yeah because I think maybe you're kind of adjusting to okay, where is this taking me? Yeah, and that can be a little unsettling if you don't know exactly how that's going to look. But that's when I think faith comes in. It's like you followed your gut, you followed you, your dream, and it's manifesting itself. So think about it like you're just on the choppy part of the. I'm, I'm on ocean. my purpose path. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> the fog will lift, and you don't know how that's going to look. But as long as you know that you're doing things with joy and purpose, and you know, you know what you want to discover, it'll. I think it'll. It'll work out really well for you. Well, I hope so. Thank Just, you so much, Jessica, yeah. for being on the show today. It was oh. so fun speaking with you. It's always so fun speaking with you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. See you next time on another edition of Lost or Found. Are you looking for a unique perspective to help you gain insight into your health and well-being? Schedule a virtual wellness visit with Dr. Michelle Choi by going to our website, drlostorfound.com, to schedule an appointment. Please subscribe and follow Dr. Michelle Choi on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.